church has always been strong in fellowship and a love for Christ and a love for each other. Um, just want to um, introduce myself to uh, people that are um, visiting the church. I'm one of the elders at New Village Church, Steve Massaro. Uh, we appreciate your patience as we continue to our, give our pastor time to study and to prepare for his ordination in uh, the middle of, around the middle of October. So we've been trying to fill the pulpit. We've been trying to bring some guest speakers in uh, to give him time in his studies and preparation for that time. So we appreciate that. Um, so with that being said, um, good morning. And please open your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. There's an outline provided in the... Um, church bulletin this morning. The title of the message is Our New Life Testimony. I want us this, this morning to direct our hearts and minds to this one verse in God's Word in our time together. I want us to dig into this one verse that it might become a great sanctifying power in our lives. The Apostle Paul writes to the churches in Galatia and to us, who have God's word. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Some individual verses in the Bible are such a profound statement of truth that they seem to rise above other verses and beg for our attention. It's not that they are more inspired, for every verse in the Bible is equally inspired. But there are those verses in the Bible that stand out like stars in the night and contain such powerful statements of truth and are so profound they seem to reach higher and say more than other verses. They're like a single seed that contains an entire harvest in them. So one verse can contain seemingly an entire systematic theology of truth, and such a verse is found in Galatians 2, verse 20. Those of us who are here today who have repented of our sins believed in Jesus Christ, confessed Him as Lord and Savior, this verse is our testimony. This verse is our spiritual autobiography. In this verse, Paul is intensely personal. He could not speak any more in the first person than he does in this verse. I want you to take note the number of times in this one verse that Paul says either I or me. Let me read this verse one more time and let you hear how many times that Paul uses these personal pronouns. The Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself up for me. In this one verse, Paul uses I or me seven times. This is unprecedented for the Apostle Paul. And despite all these personal references here, Paul is not drawing attention to himself. Paul is not the hero in verse 20. To the contrary, it's all about Jesus Christ and what Christ has done in Paul's life. Christ is the hero. And Paul is the recipient of his grace. And so are we. And what Paul is saying is a Christian is one who lives for Christ and Christ lives in him. For Paul, Christianity is not an institutionalized religion. It's not a religion of outward facades. It's not a religion of empty practices or rituals. Instead, for the Apostle Paul and for us, Christianity is a living, vital, personal relationship with the living Christ. It's knowing Christ, loving Christ, and having a personal knowledge of Christ. There's nothing shallow or superficial or clinical here. It's a personal encounter with the living Christ which changes everything in the Apostle's life and in ours. It changes, Paul says, who I am, where I'm heading, how I live, what I do and why I do it. It changes my life. It changes my priorities. It changes my identity and changes my life's destiny. It changes everything. The question is, how has this truth changed our lives? I want you to note three things in this verse, three main headings I want to give you this morning. First, let's look at the obvious one. It's how the verse begins, point number one in your outline. Paul's crucifixion with Christ. Paul's crucifixion with Christ. Paul begins with the fact that he is dead before he tells us that Christ is alive in him. Note how verse 20 begins. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. This speaks of a parallel crucifixion. It speaks of not only Christ dying for our sins on the cross, but it speaks of Paul dying to sin. As Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, what he is saying is that when Christ died upon that cross, he died spiritually with Christ. Now Paul, of course, is not speaking literally here. Paul is not saying that he was physically present at Calvary years earlier when Jesus was crucified. And Paul is not saying that he was literally nailed to the cross like the two thieves on each side of Jesus and that he was crucified on the cross when Jesus was crucified on the cross. That's not what Paul is saying. Rather, he is speaking of something far more profound. He's speaking of his spiritual union with Christ and stresses that whatever was experienced by Jesus Christ was likewise experienced by him. 
The same could be said about Paul's relationship to Adam. When Adam sinned, Paul sinned. When Adam fell, Paul fell. And when Adam died, Paul died. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And the same could be said for our other representative, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. We who are believers in Christ are in Christ, are we not? That's what the Bible teaches. And we are so united to Christ that whatever happened to Christ happened to us because we are in Christ when He died upon that cross. And so by virtue of being in Christ, when Jesus died, Paul died. When Jesus rose, Paul rose. When Christ ascended and was enthroned, Paul was raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2, verse 6. This truth is taught in multiple passages in the New Testament. And I want to direct us to some of those this morning. In Romans 6, verse 3 and following, Paul stakes this case concerning our vital union with Christ, that by virtue of being in Christ, what happened to Christ happened to us. In Romans 6, verse 3, Paul says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, and let's just stop there for one minute. When he says baptized into Christ, he's not talking about baptism. It is said that there's not one drop of water found in Romans chapter 6. Paul is saying that he was immersed into Christ. We, that he's been placed into Christ. Our identity is now found in Christ and placed in vital union with Him. So let me begin in verse 3 again. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into His death? Again, obviously, it's not referring to water baptism. What the verse is saying is that when Jesus was lifted up to die upon the cross, Paul's sins... Our sins was already placed on Christ. So as Christ died on that cross, so did Paul. So did we who believe. Verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death. Let's stop there for a second. When Jesus was taken down from the cross and buried, Paul in Christ was also buried. Let's continue. Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5 reinforces this truth. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him. That old person 
we once were before Christ saved us. Dead in sin, corrupt in heart, depraved in nature. That old life was crucified on the cross with Christ. And it was not a partial crucifixion. It was a total death at that cross. So he says in verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, and we have, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Over 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died upon the cross, there is a real sense in which we were there. And we were in Christ, just like we were in Adam at the beginning of the world. And when He sinned, we sinned. And when He fell, we fell. So when Christ was crucified upon that cross, we were in Christ being crucified as well. So that our old self was nailed to the cross, never to live again. Now please turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Ephesians 2, verses 5 and 6. In Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, Paul reiterates this truth again. And it is one of the most dominant, monumental, foundational truths that Paul ever teaches in his 13 epistles. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, we read these words. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ. Please note the verb tenses here. Very interesting. This is not in the future. This is not at the end of the age. This is in the past. This is that which has already occurred. We have been crucified with Christ. We have been made alive with Christ. We have been raised up with Christ. And we have been seated with Christ. Why? Because we are in Christ. Please turn very quickly to Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Just two books further in your Bible. Colossians 2, verses 12 and 13. And I just want you to see this with your very own eyes and secure this truth in your hearts and in your minds. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, we see our identity with Christ and our union with Christ so that what occurred to Him has occurred to us because we are in Christ. Notice what he says in verse 12 having been buried with Him in baptism. And again, this does not refer to water baptism, but to spiritual baptism. Being made alive together with Christ. Raised up with Christ. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with Him. It's as though when He was buried in that grave, and by being buried, our old life, Paul's old life, is over. It's buried with Christ. And when he was raised from the dead, 
we were in Him and we were raised with Him in newness of life. Verse 13, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him. You and I have died to all that we once were. And all that we did, thank God. And all those sinful, selfish, self-centered, self-righteous pursuits in our lives have been crucified and buried with Christ. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 15 says, and a lot of these verses I'm going to start reading really come alive when you think about our union with Christ. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 15. If anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. We're a new creature. The old things passed away. Buried with Christ, the old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Made alive together with Christ. So, we are so identified with our Savior, Jesus Christ, that not only is He in us, but we are in Him. And all that occurred to Him has occurred to us. When Jesus died for sin, we died to sin. When Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised to newness of life. And this is the doctrine of regeneration, of the new birth. When Jesus ascended into heaven, we ascended into heaven with Him. And He presented us faultless before the throne of God with full assurance and acceptance. And when Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father, we were seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ. This is vitally important for us to understand. Because what has happened in our lives, right, is more than forgiveness of sin. It's more than the impute, imputation of the perfect righteousness of Christ. It's more than a just standing before a holy God. But over and above all of that, if it's even humanly possible, we have died, we have been buried. We have been raised. We have ascended. We have been enthroned with the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And this is where we begin in this text, in Galatians 2.20. And honestly, we could spend months digging into the treasures that are found within this one text. But I'm going to move on. Point number two, and, and I don't want you to worry at this point, the other two points are very short. Okay? I, just, <laughs> just wanna, I get carried away sometimes, so I'm just going to let you know. I want you to see point number two, not only Paul's crucifixion with Christ, but also Paul's communion with Christ. Paul's communion with Christ. Not only has he died with Christ, but also he has been raised with Christ 
and the living Christ now lives in him. Please note how this verse continues. He says, and it is no longer I who live. Yet Paul is alive when he writes this epistle, right? What Paul is saying is that he is no longer living for himself. He is no longer in control of his spiritual life. There is a new driving force at work within him that is so powerful and so dominant that he would say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I pray that would be a statement I could make in my life. That is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It is Christ that is driving me. It is Christ that is empowering me. It is Christ that is guiding me and living His life in and through me. What a hope we have. What a confidence we have. What a testimony we have as followers of Jesus Christ. This is our new life testimony. This is our autobiography. Paul writes in Colossians 1, verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, not merely close, not merely near you, not merely next to you, but Christ on the inside, at the deepest level of our being, in our hearts, in our souls, and in our minds. Christ's thoughts are now Paul's thoughts. Christ's priorities are now Paul's priorities. Christ's passions are now Paul's passions. He loves what Christ loves. He hates what Christ hates. Paul says we have the mind of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Paul says this. But the natural man, the man who hasn't repented, the man that hasn't confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, the man that's not walking in the Spirit of Christ, the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them. Because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so it is for every one of us here today who are in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. In some ways... It's like the Trinitarian doctrine, the Trinity, right? It's impossible to fully understand, yet we bank our soul upon its truth. This is the mystery of our union with Christ. We cannot get our arms completely around it, all of these truths, but what the Bible teaches, we believe. And what the Bible teaches is a blessing to our hearts. 
Therefore, for Christ to live in Paul means far more than Jesus casually taking up residence in his life. Instead, what it means is now Jesus Christ is Lord of Paul's entire life. The same is true for every one of us here today. That Jesus, by His Spirit, resides in our lives. And wherever we go, He's with us. And whatever we say, He hears. And whatever we think, He reads. And whatever we need, He is ready to provide according to His perfect will. This is Paul's communion with Christ. I trust that today we realize what a vital union, what a living relationship we have in and through the life of Jesus Christ. He is Lord. We have not just joined some institution called the church, but we have come to the intimacy of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord and have fellowship with Him, which is far deeper than any human relationship we could ever have on this earth. Jesus is far more real, far more living, personal, and intimate than any of our family or friends. What a privilege it is for us who are in Christ to personally know our Savior and our God. Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know Him. Meaning, that I may know Him more and more and more. That's why we go to Bible studies. That's why we come and worship on Sunday and come under the teaching of God's Word. That's why we have fellowship with other believers. So we can know Him more and more and more. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. May that truth be in each one of our hearts and minds as we live for Him. Point number three. As we look at the last part of this one verse in Galatians 2, verse 20, I want you to see Paul's confidence in Christ. Paul's confidence in in Christ. He wants us to know that it is Christ who lives in him. And he is putting all his faith and all his trust in Christ. We see at the end of the verse, Paul says, and the life which I now live in the flesh. And I just want to stop there for a second. Paul is talking about all that transpires now in his Christian life. Worshiping Christ, praying in Christ's name, serving Christ, and his witness for Christ. Paul says, the life which I now live in the flesh, and by the way, he says flesh, he's not talking about sinful flesh. He's not talking about our sin nature. He's talking about simply his mortal body. The life right now that I live, in this body, he says, I live by faith in the Son of God. Every step of the Christian life, he says, must be looking to Christ, leaning on Christ, and relying on Christ. Very popular verse, John 15, verse 5, right? Jesus says, I am the vine, 
you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. As a branch would abide in a vine and rely upon that vine to supply everything that that branch needs to bear fruit, so the Apostle Paul says, I live by faith in the Son of God. Paul is saying that as he trusts Jesus, the Son of God, moment by moment in his life, Jesus Christ is working in him and through him and enabling him to do all things to the glory of God. To have faith in Christ is to have access to the source of everything that we could ever want in our lives. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, spiritual power, wisdom, understanding, guidance, direction, endurance. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Therefore, one could be placed in a prison cell in Rome like Paul was, by himself alone, cut off from all things in life, and still have all that his soul required because he has Christ in him. That is what he is saying. And when he mentions the Son of God, he is saying that this Christ loved me. And he demonstrated that love for me. Love that was unconditional, sacrificial, intentional, and a love that was eternal before the foundations of the world. The love of Christ for Paul and for us who are in Christ was supremely demonstrated at the cross when Jesus was nailed to that cross and when he was lifted up to die all our sins who believed in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, were transferred to Him. This is the good news and the beauty of the Gospel. Christ redeemed us and bought us out of the slave market of sin and united us with Himself and He made us His very own possession. It was there upon the cross that He loved us and He gave Himself for us. I want to conclude with this. Salvation becomes real in conversion when one realizes that Jesus just didn't die for many, but He died for me. That is when faith, saving faith, becomes a personal faith. Can we say today, as we look back 2,000 years, as we see in the Scriptures the Son of Man, the Son of God lifted up upon that cross, as we see the crown of thorns on His head, and we see the blood flowing down and the sun darken, and by faith we see our sins laid upon Him, He who knew no sin, became sin for us. And He gave up His life so we could live. Can we say, I was in Christ when He was crucified? 
I was in Christ when He was buried and resurrected from the dead. I was in Christ when He ascended into heaven. And I am in Christ as I live in newness of life day by day to the glory of God. Whatever our life was before we were saved, that old life has been nailed to the cross. It has been buried and there has been a resurrection of a new life. And we are now seated in the heavenly places in Christ. This is our union with Christ. I would like to close our time in God's Word with this. After everything we looked at in this one verse this morning, let me read this one verse slowly and may God apply it to our lives today and every day as we live for Christ. Let's make this personal because uh, as many of you know, I've been going through um, some heart, physical heart issues. <laughs> I was going to say spiritual heart issues, but only my wife knows those. But anyway, uh, physical life uh, heart issues. And uh, it just seems like sometimes when we go through the difficult times in life, when things seem to be, you know, really having a hard time with things, uh, that God reveals his truth in profound ways to us. Um, this verse came through a daily devotion one morning, and it spoke to my heart. And I said, you know, if I'm not here tomorrow, is this the testimony of Steve Massaro's life? Is this the autobiography that would be written about me after God saved me? So I want to read this verse real slow, and I want us to put our names in there where Paul mentions I or me. I, Steve Massaro, have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. May this be our new life testimony as we live our lives in Christ.